Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Chuck Papa, who's Senior VP of Sales at Transplace. And today we're going to talk about managed services versus software as a service. Which path is right for you? Now, when it comes to how to best manage your transportation operations, a lot of shippers, you know, sometimes find themselves at the crossroads. You know, should they implement the transportation management system, whether in-house or via software as a service? Should they outsource everything to a logistics service provider or take some kind of hybrid approach? Um, but, you know, the right approach, the right path for one company may not necessarily be the best path for, you know, for a different company. So what are the factors that, you know, companies need to consider to determine which is the best, you know, path for them? Um, you know, what are the pros and cons of each one? And, you know, if you decide to go down the managed services route, I mean, what, what are some of the, you know, factors you should look for in, in a partner? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to address in today's uh, episode, and it's great to have Chuck here uh, on the program, who's kind of on the front lines of this to uh, you know share his insights and advice on this topic. So, uh, Chuck, welcome to the program. Thanks, Adrian. Happy to be here. Look forward to the conversation. Great. You know, we, we've had uh, you, you know many many of your colleagues there are transplaced on the program uh, before. This is your first time, so like it like is. I always like to do whenever we bring someone new to the program is you know before we dive into the topic. It, you know, try to get a little bit of understanding of how and why you got involved in this uh, crazy industry that we're in uh, to, to begin with. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your, you know, your career path, sure. uh, how and why you got involved with the logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Transplace. Sure. Uh, it is a crazy path. You know, I didn't know about logistics or supply chain when I, I first graduated. And actually, I started my career in IT. And how I got into logistics and transportation was, um, from an IT perspective, I was supporting a GE business unit from a systems perspective, which is how I learned about logistics and transportation and made the decision to uh, jump into it from a career perspective and had been in it ever since for over 25 years in various roles of operations, IT, and procurement. And uh, today I, I run our enterprise sales for, uh, for Transplace. Great. You know, I, it never ceases to amaze me, kind of the different paths and starting points that people have that, that ultimately lead them to you know, to, to logistics. Yeah, it's a, uh, it is fun. It's a fun path and uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no, like, likewise, like, likewise. So let's start with, um, you know, defining, you know, managed services, because I mean, that's a, that's a topic that I, I you know, a term that, you know, uh, I think a lot of folks use in the industry, but I think mm -hmm. it means different things to, to different people. So what is it, you know, what is managed services and how does it differ, let's say from traditional, you know, transportation outsourcing? You know, from a definitions perspective, I don't think it's, it's much different. It's really when a company decides they need help and improvement in their transportation capabilities uh, and performance, and they make a decision to outsource. Definition's the same. I think what's different is in the details of that outsourcing question. I think from a traditional outsource, um, people think of it's an all or nothing game. In a managed services outsource, it's not. It's you know, assessing what's important to you, what do you view as strategic versus tactical, and then making more of a decision on what do I want to keep versus what do I want to outsource. It's not outsourcing all of the decision-making process. Right. Yeah, that, that's what I see a, a lot of times. Sometimes a lot of companies, they may have, you know, some, you know, uh, transportation folks internally that are responsible for some things, but they need, you know, coverage in other areas. Uh, some companies may want to keep procurement in-house, but the day-to-day -day execution um, you know, they want to, you know, uh, augment that with some, you know, some specialists in that area. I mean, do you see that kind of being kind of the, the kind of the procurement piece tends to be something that companies tend yeah. to want to hold on to more and the day to the execution and the continuous improvement, something that they, they may want to, you know, tap into a managed services partner for? 
No, you're right on. Absolutely. And that's probably the biggest area where a lot of companies decide to retain ownership of the carrier contracting process. They still may look to us to help support it from an annual tactical procurement bid event, leveraging our scale resources and our processes, but strategically decide to take ownership of those carriers contracting uh, and ownership. Additionally, uh, logistics engineering. Some organizations want to tap us for logistics engineering services. Other organizations have made that investment from a supply chain uh, perspective. And, and we'll do the, the network and, and inventory uh, analysis themselves. Great. And, and I would think, you know, one of the things that I've seen with a lot of these relationships is that they evolve over time, right? Because you may, uh, you know, what, what, what the needs, specific needs are today and the capabilities that a customer, a shipper might have today uh, are going to be different than maybe a year or two years or three years down the road. So, you know, the kind of the nature of the relationship kind of evolves over time. Is that something that, that you see as well with the companies you work with? Oh, absolutely. And uh, not just, you know, due to what's changing in the market, but change in leadership direction and strategy. And the, the, the best one, it makes me laugh when I think about it. And I think it shows to the flexibility of, of who we are as an organization. Uh, we had a large company that outsourced everything to us, managed services. So it was our technology and, you know, our people running the planning and execution had a leadership change, decided, hey, we want to bring it back in-house, continued to use our technology, but it was our hands off the keyboard and then our customers' hands on the keyboard. Went about a year and a half, two years. Uh, leadership changed again, made another directional change and decided to outsource the planning and execution back to us. So it's not just driven by market conditions, but also uh, leadership direction. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, so, so let's talk now about, you know, the technology. That's the other path, right? So, uh, you know, I've, I've been kind of looking at the transportation management systems market now for, for over 18 years. And, you know, you know, TMS, you know, used to be, you know, one of those applications, uh, like many logistics supply chain applications, they used to be deployed inside the four walls. You fast forward to today, kind of software as a service, cloud deployment tends to be the dominant model there. Uh, I mean, what benefits does, uh, I mean, do you see that as well? You know, SaaS being the dominant model. And number two, I mean, what, what benefits do you see or, or co companies are looking for from a SaaS deployment model, you know, versus, let's say, the, the traditional in-house? Yeah, I think uh, no doubt SaaS is the dominant model. And I think there's three key areas that drive that. Uh, first and foremost, it mitigates IT resources internally to an organization. Doesn't eliminate it completely because you still need support on the integration for, for larger shippers. Uh, but it significantly mitigates the need for IT support. Um, from a financial perspective, no capital funding up front, right? It changes the way it looks on the balance sheet and moves it to, to the expense line. And then it also assures that uh, you're running the most recent technology, right, in a SaaS environment. You don't have to worry about trying to upgrade every three years. Going the SaaS model, you're always assured you're going to be on the latest and greatest technology, both from a infrastructure perspective, as well as uh, getting access to new functionality and capabilities that come out. Yeah, I, I love that, that last point because, uh, you know, a lot of times what you find is that, you know, with the traditional deployment model across all, uh, you know, different types of applications, um, you know, companies are running, those that do it in-house, they're running, you know, versions that are, you know, five, six, seven, eight you know, years old because it is, you know, historical, it's kind of a, a disruptive you know, type of environment. But I think one of the things with software as a service, you know, not getting too technical in the weeds, you know, going too much in the weeds on the technical side of things, just because of the, the development process that takes place now, you're kind of continuously upgrading and, and enhancing this, the solution, which 
you know, it becomes less, less disruptive and it's become something you, you don't have to think about as much. Exactly. And, and for us, as an example, we do a release every month. So there's never a big impact to the overall infrastructure and capability, which mitigates the risk for, for everyone using the, the technology. Uh, but at the same time, you know, over a 12 month period, you get a lot of new capability built into the software as well versus waiting every four to five to six years. Right, right. So, so let's get to kind of the, the heart of the topic here. So if, if I'm a shipper and I'm trying to decide between, you know, let's say software as a service, the only approach or, you know, managed services. I mean, how do I determine which path is, is the right one for me? Uh, you know, what, what factors should I be considering? Uh, it comes down to what we discussed earlier is what do you view as core and strategic to you as an organization, right? That's going to help determine um, what path uh, do you want to go down, okay? Um, are you going to be able to continue to invest in the resources? I think the biggest gap is, is um, or, or the biggest uh, opportunity for companies to assess is, are you going to continue to invest long-term in the resources as well? Uh, when everybody, somebody goes down the path of implementing for the first time or, or doing that upgrade, uh, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of resources around it. So getting the initial deployment and getting year one, I'll call it results, is very easy to do because you've gone through that training. You've gone through the uh, process change as well. Typically after year two, year three, you see a degradation in performance because people haven't invested in the team or continue to invest in the team. You start to see attrition in the organization. People who are part of the initial implementation have moved on and they didn't have a good succession plan in place to retrain the new associates coming in and continuing to um, uh, operationalize the technology from a, from a process management perspective. It becomes more of button pushing then it becomes, you know, actually managing the business operations day to day. You know, just to build on, on that a little bit, one of the things that I see, and I always tell folks around a transportation management system, uh, you know, to your point, you know, it can be perfect, you know, when you first deploy it on day one, right? Because it's, you know, ideally the TMS on that day one, when you go live, the constraints, everything that you've built into the system is reflective of the operating realities of when you go live. But we all know that, you know, your transportation operations, your supply chains are continuously changing. So I tell people, you know, your TMS is almost like a car. You, keep, you have to keep it in tune in order for it to continue to deliver the results. But, you know, if no one's looking at it from, a, you know, how do we tweak the constraints? How do we, you know, change the rates or, you know, all these things that go into driving continuous improvement, um, you're going to see, you know, the, the, the performance start, you know, start to the grid. And I think that's one of the key things from a, I see from a managed services perspective is the ability to have a team in place that is not only going to be managing the day-to-day -day stuff, but from a technology standpoint is also going to be making those changes or those tweaks to the TMS to kind of make it reflective of that, you know, as, as the operating realities continue to change. Is that kind of yeah. something that you, you see as well? Exactly right, right? It's the master data management. It's the maintenance of the application. TMSs are at some scale at an ERP level. You've got to maintain them to your point and you've got to adjust it as your network changes, right? Whether it's rates, new locations, what have you. And it's even the performance management of your carrier base as a great example. That's another area we see that degradation occur. Um, compliance is good up front with the carriers. You're getting real-time or, or near real-time updates and so forth, pickup delivery, uh, check calls. And after time, if you don't continue to manage that, you'll see a degradation in performance. But uh, you're, you're spot on. It, it's it's uh, making sure you're continuing to invest in maintaining your system from a, from a master data management, from a network perspective. You know, the, the other thing I see is, um, 
you know, and I wrote a post a, a couple of years ago, kind of com- comparing, you know, uh, managed services to um, uh, uh, Flex Armstrong. You remember that that toy we used to, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, navigating uh, ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, where, where you can basically, you know, flex up and down depending on uh, uh, what your needs are. So some some companies, you know, they may go through kind of an M and A activity. So now they've got some rationalization that they need to take place and some, you know, whether, like you mentioned before, some um, uh, network design capabilities that they might need at the time. Um, in other cases, they may just have been going through a growth spurt and they just, you know, the decision is that we hire a ton and build out a huge, you know, transportation department or do we, you know, address this growth and demand by tapping in a partner that can help us with, you know, the, the, this, this additional need that we have from a transportation operations standpoint. So, so I, I see that as well as another, you know, driving factor. Is, is that something that, you know, with some of your customers you're seeing as well? Uh, yeah. So we refer to that as the network effect, right? So based, you know, the value of a SaaS environment, for one, um, it's having everything in one instance of the application. So um, providing that visibility from a network and scale perspective allows us from a managed services perspective to create a lot of opportunities across our customers and, and help facilitate that collaboration. Uh, finding carriers that uh, work for carrier customer A balances the network for customer B and introducing them as an example. Um, co-loading and sharing is, you know, it's buzzwords that have been around for years, I think are really starting to take effect now and, and really becoming operationalized of, um, sharing the four walls of a, uh, of a trailer or um, a fleet across multiple customers, continuous moves and so forth um, is really starting to mature within the industry. Although it's been talked about for years, I, I think in the last two years have really become uh, truly capable services that uh, uh, providers like us can offer uh, to the customer base. Um, so it's that network effect having that one system, that one system of record, that one instance allows us to help operationalize a lot of those capabilities and provide collaborative opportunities for our customers. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, I've been a huge proponent of, you know, ne- the network effects, if you will, yeah. uh, and, and the opportunity that, that brings to the table from, you know, enhanced collaboration and, and particularly in this, in this environment that we're in right now with, you know, tight capacity, more demanding customer requirements. You know, I've always argued that, you know, in order to, you know, raise the bar on performance, you got to do things differently. And, and, you know, being able to leverage a network and network platform to uh, enable enhanced collaboration is certainly something that's been talked about to your point for a long time. But I think the time, if, if not now, then I don't know when it will happen because, you know, things are just so challenging in the, in the market today. Yeah, and I think related to that, it's easier for us to do that collaboration as a managed provider versus with our SaaS customers because part of it's change management. And we as a managed service provider, we help drive change within a customer organization where our SaaS customers, we can still identify those opportunities, but getting them to operationalize, it tends to be more challenging. Right, right. That's a good, that's a good point. So, so based on kind of the customers you work with and, and kind of you, you speak with, I mean, are you seeing greater demand for managed services, software as a service, or just kind of demand equal for for both? That's a great question. And um, let me answer it this way. Uh, And I think it's based on who you are as a a shipper and where you are in the maturity of your organization. We're seeing customers who have had in-house TMSs have come end of life, like we talked about earlier, it's been five, six, seven years, they're forced to make a change. 
are making a decision rather than upgrade or make the, just the technology change are gearing more towards the managed services solution. Shippers who don't have any capabilities in-house from a technology perspective tend to go down the SaaS route first. So I, I'd say um, it's probably equal from that aspect. It's just a different degree of, you know, who the profile of the shipper is that's driving that decision. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I see the same, I see the same things uh, too. So let's say if, I, if I'm a shipper and I decide to go down that software as a service, you know, route, I mean, what, what are some of the, you know, things or factors that I, uh, or steps I should take to ensure not only a successful to what we talked about before, an initial, a successful initial deployment, but ongoing success moving forward. Uh, and that's the key. It's the ongoing. Are you going to make, be able to make the continued investment in your team and the resources around it uh, and maintaining the system uh, from an operational perspective, right? Are you going to have that right succession plan? So key, the key question needs to be, is transportation and supply chain uh, tactically from a transportation perspective, an area we will continue to invest in down the road. You know, to, to that point, I mean, you, you, uh, we've done a lot of writing and talking about, you know, with regards to TMS, the, the, the role and importance of that power user. And yep. a lot of times, you know, that power user uh, may leave the company or may get, you know, change roles within the company. And then if they haven't, we, you talked about succession plan, right? If you haven't adequately trained the next person up or other people, you kind of then get yourself in a situation that you might not, uh, you know, be able to, you, you might have some bump in performance there while you get somebody else trained up. Absolutely. You, you, you'll, you can inherently see that slide when that doesn't happen. Yeah. So when you look across you know, your, your managed services clients, I mean, what factors define, you know, a successful relationship? I mean, what, what factors or attributes, if I'm a shipper, should I look for in a, in a potential partner to, to make sure that, um, you know, I'm making the right decision there? You know, I, I think that the key most from my perspective, it's transparency, right? The provider that you're talking to, are they going to be transparent on how they're making their money, right? Meaning um, that you know that they're not trying to push other internal services as part of their overall solution because that's not necessarily in the best interest of you as a shipper. It's, hey, can my model and my operating model with my provider stand alone by itself uh, and will the provider, you know, um, assure us, assure me that uh, none of my other internal services are required as part of the overall solution. And that's just to make sure there's independency there, that uh, they're looking out for the best overall solution for you um, as, as, a, as a key customer, right? Are they going to drive performance and service as a standalone for your operation? No, I would, I would think that as part of that, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, as in any kind of outsource relationship, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, quarterly, you, you know, reviews, there's metrics that you define that you're all, you know, both looking at. So it's having, I would, I would assume having a well-defined, you know, management and governance structure between the two parties is, is also important. Oh, that's absolutely critical. And for us, it's standard, standard operating procedure. Uh, we do quarterly business reviews and, and the way it's really geared is we have a, a weekly, monthly and a quarterly process. Quarterly is geared more strategic, uh, monthly and weekly are geared more tactical. Um, so you've got to have that cadence in place. Uh, companies have to realize it's not a, hey, I hiked it over to the wall, washed my hands of it, and I'm out of it. It's still your business. It's still your customers. It's very important for our customers to stay involved with us actively. You know, one of the things I hear a lot from shippers, uh, you know, across the board, regardless of what kind of outsourced relationship they have, is that they're always looking to their partner to 
provide them with, you know, tell me what I don't already know, right? Or give me some innovative ideas or, or ways that I can differentiate from, from my competition. You know, is that something that you continue to hear from, from your you know, clients as well? You know, it's like they're looking for that, um, you know, be a, a third party source of, of innovation and ideas. Oh yeah. That's always the constant drive for us is what have you done for me lately? What are you doing that's innovative that I can take advantage of? Right. Of course, everybody wants it exclusive to them, which is not the reality of the situation either. Uh, but it's our job to constantly bring those continuous opportunities and innovation to our customers. Uh, we have a whole process and methodology and team that's built just around that because reality is year one and two and even three, is easy to find savings. It's years four, five, and six. What do we do to continue to drive improvement and value over time? And that's what we've uh, operationalized with a program we call Value Improvement Program. Um, that's where you know the rubber hits the road, if you will. That you want to you want to continue the relationship beyond four, five, and six years. Um, and we have some of our longest tenured customers are well over fifteen years, and that's I think a testament to our ability to continue to drive value for our customers year over year. You know, I've sometimes heard it, you know, that, you know, once the honeymoon phase is over, yeah, kind of comparing it to kind of a, a marriage, right? Once the honeymoon phase is over, you know, how do you keep that love and relationship going, you know, in the, in the latter years? So, And it's, it's you know, you, you can't hide behind. I, I, one of our senior operators always said it's, we're not doing our job unless we're having a heated breath conversation, meaning I'm pushing you, you're pushing me. Realizing, you know, as a provider, we're going to, we're going to, stub our toe and we're going to fall down. It's a matter of how do we recover from those instances? Cause none of us are perfect. It's not the reality of it, but if we're not constantly challenging our customers uh, and making changes and, and driving continuous improvement, then we're not doing our job. Yeah. Great, great point. You know, it ultimately boils down to, you know, having clear and effective and honest communication, you know, building, building that trust and, uh, and then, you know, building that, building that partnership. Um, you know, Chuck, we're kind of running out of time here, so I'm just going to go right to my last question. You know, as a way to wrap up, I mean, um, you know, if I'm still undecided on which, which path to take, I mean, what, what question should I ask myself to help me, uh, you know, bring me closer to making a decision? Uh, I still think it's what's your strategy long term, right? Can I sustain the resources, the commitment, the investment um, in, in not just the technology side, but from the operational side and go out there and kick the tires, right? It's a go benchmark. That's probably the easiest thing to help companies determine what's the right path for them. Great, great. So, you know, like I always say at the end of all our episodes, we always just manage to, you know, scratch the surface on these topics. But uh, I think we covered a lot of ground today. You, you provide some great uh, insights and advice. So thank you again for making the time to be with us today. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thanks again. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the TransPlace uh, website or on the Talk and Logistics website, and you've got a question or a comment for uh, Chuck, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talk and Logistics. Have a great day.